Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Oh, Mark, it's always so good to have you here announcing us. Thank you. That is our good friend, Mr. Mark Mark Farrell. Thank you, Mark. We sure appreciate his awesome voice. And there's a podcast episode with Mark. Wait a minute. Who in the heck are you? I'm Peggy. Who are you? I'm Tony. Oh, we are two RV industry veterans that travel part-time in a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. Woohoo, saving money. Welcome to the last episode of 2020. Yeah, let's let's give 2020 show at the door, <laughs> put on our biggest camping walking boots, and give it a swift kick right out the door. The old heave-ho yeah, see to ya, 2020. Yeah, and let's get ready for 2021 if 2020 were a vacuum cleaner (laughs) it could not only clean the carpet it could absolutely suck it off the floor (laughs) well actually that's not completely we didn't have such a bad year no and yesterday i spent all day <laughs> working hard all day. at planning this year's trips. Yeah, she did. She, <laughs> Peggy was working away pretty much the whole day. I have big plans for 2021. Yeah, we also got a new RV mapping app. So we're going to see how we like that one and, right. and report back to you right. in our gadget reviews. Speaking of reporting, we saw a post on our facebook group that said if you've camped for just one night do i have to unhook my truck from the travel trailer that's a good question it is and i would say that my first answer would be are you level when you're hooked up yeah well the first answer is maybe yeah (laughs) well right the first answer is (laughs) because if you're level while you're hooked up then you really have nothing to worry about for one night you're not gonna hurt anything leaving hooked up some people say to go ahead and unplug the seven pin so that you're not pulling power from the truck but again if you're i guess it depends on what you mean by camped if you're just stealth docking just to get a few hours of shut eye you're not going to use you're not going to use a lot of power i don't think you're going to hurt your truck if you're actually camped and you're there at 3 p.m and you're gonna have your whole afternoon and evening of camping and having fun then that might be a concern but really i think that if you're not level then you're asking for trouble with your refrigerator and right. with your ability to sleep. Yeah, that's true. Because the refrigerator needs level, but honestly, I need level. I do not <laughs> want my head. I don't want my head hanging lower than my feet. It gives me weird dreams. Tony, am I missing anything? As no, long as you're, I think you're as long as you're level and you don't overtax the battery on your truck, you yeah, should be just fine. Exactly. And we leave the truck and trailer hooked together for example when when we're going to quartzite in a few weeks Mm -hmm. our first stop is at a restaurant that lets us just park in their parking lot and we just leave the truck hooked right up and we don't worry it's not so much that it's level it's level enough for sleeping but we don't turn the refrigerator on overnight because it's a parking lot where we can't really get level so (laughs) yeah that's true and we don't want to we were there one time and someone's putting their slides out and they get there like late at night they're putting out their slides they're putting leveling blocks down it's like dude you're just gonna sleep for a few hours try to do as little 
I mean, we've talked about this before. If you're stealth docking, yeah, wally docking, boon barreling, <laughs> be cool, mooch docking, yeah, all those fun, all words. those dockings, <laughs> all those fun words to use for <laughs> camping, camping without anyone noticing. <laughs> yeah, for free. Well, I'm sure someone will notice. Yeah, the people who own the house. You're yeah, right. The driveway you're parked in. <laughs> hey, who are those people in my driveway? Shh, you I can't see them. Their slides aren't out. Well, that's why that camper is called a stealth. <laughs> you can't see me. Wow. So this week we have a really interesting topic to talk about we do we have rv myths and legends and we will be right back with that right after this we love being part of the largest club of rvers with events rallies tours resources and more and you can be too that's the fmca and it's not just for motorhomes anymore now any rver can join the fmca and enjoy their fantastic benefits yeah like chapters where people of common interest gather and go on outings and adventures together it's a great way to meet other RVers who share your interest or location. But there are other great resources too, like a beautiful magazine, forums, videos, tutorials, and so much more. And don't forget the incredible programs like Medical Assist, where the FMCA is there for you in the event of a medical emergency on the road. Yes, and we signed up for the FMCA's Roadside Assistance, which specializes in RVs and offers towing to the nearest qualified repair facility, no matter how many miles away it is. It's a great optional program that's been part of the FMCA for years. Plus, of course, we've got a good deal for you. New members can save $10 on an FMCA membership. We've got the details and more information on this terrific organization on our discounts and deals page at stresslesscamping.com. Join us and other RV enthusiasts at an upcoming rally or gathering and save money in the process. Now Now that's that's stressless camping. camping. We are talking RV myths and legends, and there are so many fallacies, half-truths, legends, bull feathers. Wives' tales. Yeah, husbands' tales. (laughs) There are a lot of things that people believe about RVing. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people believe a lot of real, right, correct things about RVing, let's hope. But there are a lot of things out there that are not necessarily true. And we thought maybe we could go through this list and bust some of those myths. Yes. Or validate some of those myths. Yes. Sometimes those myths don't get busted. Yeah, sometimes they're the truth. The first one. RV model numbers tell you how long the RV is. Nope, not always. (laughs) (laughs) Not ever, it seems like. I used to think that was true. And we have a 1905, so I thought the trailer was 19 feet, either inside or outside. Turns out it's 16 feet on the inside and 20 feet on the outside. I have no idea what 1905 really means. There you go. Yeah, typically the number has some bearing, but usually it's just a model number and not a dimension. And then if it were a dimension, what would it be? Would it be the total overall length? Would it be the interior length? Right. You know, so you can get some idea, like, for example, a 2105 is probably not a 45 foot fifth wheel. But <laughs> there's no guarantee of that. It right. could be. There's no reason yeah, why. Right? <laughs> so, no, those model numbers are just model numbers typically. They're not accurate descriptors of, of the how length. long the RV is. But as Tony said, it gives you some kind of an idea. A 19 something is probably in the range of 20 ish feet somewhere. Yeah. Some yeah, kind of how. It's a guesstimate. <laughs> 
All right, what's next, boss? The next one is that if I have a pickup, I can pretty much tow any RV I want. I just did a whole bunch of research on this to accurately write about it for RV travel. We also did a great podcast episode, and and I'm not bragging. I I really appreciated (laughs) our guest. And that was Oren Kern, and he helped us a lot with knowing about knowing about towing yeah and he developed a towing calculator with adam douglas who's also been a guest on this podcast for example we have a half ton pick-em-up truck right a dodge ram or it's not a dodge ram it's just a ram ram (laughs) a ram it's a wham bam thank you ram (laughs) and you think well we have a small single axle travel trailer right it ought to be able to pull that and then another one behind it it ought to but it's it actually, enough. if you looked at, <laughs> if you look at the raw numbers, it's not far off from the maximum what it, of what it can safely tow. Right. That was kind of surprising to me because we upgraded from a Nissan Frontier to a Ram 1500 and I thought we were going to double our capacity and nope. I was not right. No. Now I would say this Ram tows the trailer much more effectively. Certainly. And part of that is nearly twice as much horsepower and torque oh. and a way better transmission. Right. But, and one of the things also, our trailer is very tongue heavy. Ah. That whole Rockwood line seems to be fairly tongue heavy. Maybe I should put my rock collection in the bathroom instead of my closet. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> so how would you know what your pick-em-up truck or whatever tow vehicle you have is? I think you use those stickers that are conveniently provided by the manufacturer, right? Well, even more, go back and we'll put a link to our episode about towing. Right. There's a whole worksheet that you can fill out. That will give you accurate numbers of what you can safely tow. Exactly. And more importantly, what you can safely stop. Yes. Very important. Yeah. So the next myth is that a Four Seasons RV tells me that I don't have to worry about winter. I can camp all year long in the snow all the time. You can camp where the snow is. You will not find me there, but... <laughs> I'm not a four-season RVer, so no. I don't really know about this four-season RV. I don't care. Wait, what? There's, I remember when I I mean, well, I we lived... are four-season RVers, but that's yeah. because we live in a place where all four seasons are bearable. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm, well, look at Oren has been posting all these pictures about all the snow and how much he loves it. So uh-huh. bearable to whom? He can right? have it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but seriously, first of all, there is no... Tr- true definition of what's called a four seasons rv there's not an industry standard that says down to this temperature level and also for example let's say it gets below freezing overnight but then in the day it warms up well some rvs can well handle that and some it takes more an extended period of cold to cause damage so they're all very very different and so a four season rv means it might have better insulation than one that isn't listed four seasons but for example i did a review of a northwoods travel trailer and even the outdoor shower was insulated interesting and a lot of these rvs the outdoor shower is behind a thin little plastic door right that's a good point they might insulate the devil out of it and then they put the shower behind a thin plastic door and guess what's going to freeze and that freezes anyway yeah so a four season rv there's not a standard and so it's best to know a where are you going and what are the temperatures going to be like and how is your rv heated there was also a recent big discussion 
in a group we belong to about an RV company saying they had heated underbellies when mm-hmm. in fact they had heat pads on their tanks, but not a heated underbelly. So that's not the entire underbelly, that's just the tank. Right. And what about the valves for the sewer and, right. the, and all of that? Those were not heated. And if you're in a cold enough place, an underbelly, a heated underbelly probably keeps the floor a lot more comfortable as well, right? Yeah, you could, yeah, theoretically. Keeps yeah. the whole inside of the trailer Yeah, but what warmer. if, for example, some of those, the knife valves for the sewers and such are also enclosed oh, and right. others they're not. So let's say it's really well insulated and then that sewer valve is open to the air. Well, guess what? Do you remember we had an episode with Nathan Pettyjohn who wrote Travels with Hoffa? Yeah. And I read Travels with Hoffa and the first night that he was out in the cold, his valve froze and he broke the handle ah, off of his rented that's RV. That's lousy. <laughs> because he didn't know and he pulled on it. And then his neighbor said, oh, don't worry. I just did the same thing and helped him oh, take gosh. care of it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not just the water tank freezing. It's not just the water line freezing. It's not just you freezing. <laughs> it's, you know, there's so many different parts of the RV to think about that may not be able to handle that cold. And again, here, for example, where we have camped, it has gotten, well, we've camped where it's gotten to very recently 25 degrees overnight. Right. But that was not a problem because, you know, it's, it's cold for a few hours and then it warms up in yeah. the day and yep. it was, I don't know, in the 40s in the day or whatever the heck it was. Yeah. So even though our whole tank and sewer system is completely exposed. We don't even have an enclosed underbelly on our trailer. Right. wasn't a problem. Right. So it's not only how cold it gets, but how, how long it stays, stays that cold yes. and how much it warms up. So that's one of those where you really should get an idea of what you're going to do and then shop accordingly. Right. Yeah. Some of these RVs, though, like that Northwoods, man, that thing was meant for the cold. It was <laughs> nice. Man, I like that trailer. Probably that fishing lodge on wheels that you, that you reviewed that yeah. time was probably meant for the cold, too. Well, it had no plumbing so yeah oh there you go all it had the only thing it had was a water tank that kind of dripped down into the sink and it had a porta potty so there was no actual plumbing so there's nothing to freeze there can't be anything under the rv because you literally lower the rv right down onto the ice yeah open a port and cut hole in the ice yeah and fish you ice fishermen man yeah (laughs) you're hardcore i mean think about the people like you know, even our police chief who goes in the polar plunge. I mean, yeah. Well, I've done it. You've done it. <laughs> Once was plenty. Once was enough. So the next myth is that a person needs a special driver's license in order to operate a motorhome. Nah, just go take that 28,000 pounds of monster bus and this is one I wish was true. I wish this was true oh, because. These things are big and huge and monstrous. I mean, you've seen them. They're giant buses. You need no formal training. You need no extra driver's license, special driver's license. Just like Tony said, go spend a million bucks, get behind the wheel and start driving. Yeah, it's crazy. Whatever your opinion of that is, for the most part, you do not need any special license because it's a private vehicle. Yep. Now, if you hold a busload of folks around as a professional bus driver, a whole different thing, even though it's basically the same vehicle. Well, but you're responsible for a lot more lives that way. Well, there's a lot of people you can kill with 28,000 pound RV. (laughs) (laughs) But 
seriously, no. You you typically you may need an air brake certificate in, for example, California, but for the most part, no. It's uh, here's the keys. Have a nice drive. Excellent. Yeah. <sighs> so anyway, the next myth is that <laughs> RVing is only for retired people. Bzzzt. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Uh-uh. And all of you who are under 55, 65, 75, whatever retirement ages these days, don't write to us. We're just reporting yeah, <laughs> myths. myths. We're not, we definitely don't think this is true, obviously. No, because we're not retired and uh, we're RVing. So, I mean, when you think about it, look at all of the families now that are road schooling. And what For a sure. great way to get an education as a youngster. Yeah. I mean, instead of learning about the Grand Canyon in the book, you see it. Yes. I mean, there's National Parks Program, and there's a great Our National Parks podcast that Jason and Abby put on. Great way to explore the parks virtually and get ideas of where you want to take your kids. But I digress. <laughs> no, RVing is for everybody, and it's universal. I mean, all the people we go RVing with are young whippersnappers, too. Right. And I was going to say maybe full-timing <laughs> has a tendency to be more for retired people. But like you just said, no, because people are deciding to live a full-time RV life travel and work from wherever they happen to be, teach their kids from wherever they happen to be. Perhaps there are more retired people out there because they don't have to worry about getting Wi-Fi to (laughs) zoom into their classroom or whatever. But think of, there's a lot of people who just said, you know what, forget about it. I'm going to buy an RV, sell my house or quit renting an apartment or whatever it is. And I'm just going to see the country because I'll remain socially distant. I'll get to see new stuff and Mm -hmm. it'll be fantastic. And it is. It is. (laughs) And you're listening to the Stressless Camping Podcast, which we sincerely appreciate. (laughs) That's right. There you go. The next one is that RVing is inconvenient and it's really only good for long trips. Boy, that couldn't be further from the truth. Man, we go on so many two and three day trips. Yeah, or even like overnights. And like 12 to 15 miles away. Yeah. (laughs) But we also do like big old long extended trips. Sure, we do do them both, but it is convenient. And I think here's the reason. I don't know what really where that myth came from but maybe it's like i have to put all the stuff in and i have to take all the stuff out (sighs) just buy a second one of everything yeah and then all you need is your fresh food and some clothes and some people even keep a whole supply of clothes in their rv heck you could go to a charity donation place you know the the common one is goodwill but there's so many local ones yeah and outfit an rv for cheap right i mean clothes Pots Dishes, and pans, pots and the pans, whole enchilada. Towels, the whole enchilada <laughs> in a can because you mm. don't want to keep refrigerator food. Well, I mean, I guess you could leave your refrigerator running all the time, but. Hey, is your refrigerator running? <laughs> you better go catch it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Do you have Prince Albert in a can? We really do keep everything in there. We have camper dedicated everything except some clothing and let's see what do we pack tony's razor and yeah. my contact lenses that's pretty much all we pretty have much, to pack yeah <laughs> that and, and, you and know, food i bring a like a little plastic tote of clothes out with me yeah. because i have rv jackets and shirts and yeah every stuff. time we go i seem to leave more stuff out there so eventually i won't have to pack anything well and especially if we're doing one of those local fun yeah. trips because you know i love to live in my pajamas and they're all in the camper <laughs> And the other thing 
thing is, you know, typically you're not RVing from wherever you live in the United States or whatever to a third world place where there is no stores for 500 miles. Right. You're going where there's going to be a store. Right. So if you forget one thing, like, oh, I forgot aluminum foil. Well, I'm sure you can get it nearby. Yeah. So it's very convenient for short trips and long trips. And it's still, remember, as I always say, it's your bed, your toilet, right. your shower. That's the great thing about having it on long trips is you always have a place to sleep when you need yeah. it. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, how about the old RVing is very expensive? I can't say I disagree with that. Okay. Okay, let's look at just a brief back of napkin calculation. Let's say you buy an RV and it's, what do they say? The average RV loan is like $40,000. Okay. I think that's what the... The going rate? I think that's about a national average is like $40,000. Okay. So let's say you're spending 400 a month on your RV payment and then insurance and fuel. It's not particular. It's not, I wouldn't call it's it It's not necessarily cheap. cheap. There are more expensive and less expensive ways to do it. For example, you might want to stay in a fancy RV resort or you might want to boondock on Bureau of Land Management property, yeah. which is free. So you can really, really make a difference in your expenses depending on the types of places you like to stay. And the type of RV. I mean, let's face it. You could find a $200 vintage travel trailer that's ratty and use your skills and talent if, if you have them. I don't. <laughs> use your skills and talent and rebuild the thing. And let's say you're into it for like 3000 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. It's all paid for. And it's all paid for. And it's a cool vintage travel trailer that you've restored. Right. So it doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, we have friends who restore trailers using their own abilities and talent and even some scrounged materials because they'll look for cool vintage stuff to repurpose. And then it's not horribly expensive. So to give you an example, if you wanted to look at some real hard numbers last year after our trip to Quartzsite from Northern California to Quartzsite, Arizona, Tony gathered all the information up and did an expense report for you. And I don't remember the number. <laughs> I don't either, but we have a link to the article. It kind of explains, you know, some nights we boondocked and some nights we stayed in KOA camps, you know, so it was a, I think it was a good overall representative of kind of long term. It was two or three weeks. And as usual, if I remember right, fuel was one of the biggest factors. That is what I do remember. It's always that, yeah. you know, you're always like spending money on gas and or why is diesel. That? Because an RV is a giant barn that you're towing down the road and it's not. And almost getter. any vehicle is yeah, going to give right? you 10, 10 to, 12 to 12 miles, miles per to gallon. gallon. <laughs> yep. It doesn't seem to matter what vehicle you have. That seems to be a good hard truth. Yep. So the next one is, I don't have to worry. My warranty covers all repairs. No, it does not. Nope. And especially no if that repair is because of a user error. And we would get a lot of that at the dealership. People would go, oh, oh such and such is broken. I need to have it covered under warranty. And it'd be like, it's your fault. You're the one that broke it. <laughs> and also, one of the things a lot of people don't realize, and I, you know, we should do a podcast about this. Okay. What gets covered under warranty? Under warranties. You know? I think that's a good idea. Maintenance is a big factor. And RV companies, for the most part, suggest that you do a full inspection of your RV seals every 90 days. And if there's water intrusion, a lot of times they'll say, well, did you inspect the seals? Well, no. Well, sorry, it's not covered. Right. RVs do require more maintenance than your typical 
passenger vehicle. If you go buy For a sure. pickup truck tomorrow, aside from oil changes, you're not going to have to do much until that time that you replace the brakes and tires. And those oil changes are farther and farther apart than yeah. from what they used to be. I remember when Tony first bought our little Honda HRV small commuter car <laughs> at 3,000 miles. He walked into the dealership and said, I want an oil change. And they said, we are not giving you one. Yeah, they wouldn't change my oil <laughs> until, until the, the oil light system. Came on. Yeah, there's a system that measures your driving and all that. And it was like 11,000 miles, which I thought was nuts. So us old timers who change our oil hey. every 3,000 miles, it's a little hard for us to take. It is. But I mean, truthfully, oil is better. Machining processes are better. You know, it's a different world. But anyway, warranty is not insurance and neither no. one of those might fix some of the problems. Correct. You know, there that, might be problems that are covered <laughs> either by warranty usually covers manufacturer's defects. Right. Here's another reason to have a great dealer. There were a lot of times where the owner of the dealer I worked for, Perry, would advocate that we really go to bat for a customer because sometimes the RV companies were balking at covering some stuff. Oh, yeah. And Perry was like, make it work, whatever you have to do. And there was one case where they had a faulty couch and I literally called them every single day until they finally sent me that darn couch. <laughs> that was a fight. Oh, it was. Also, that company for that couch, we quit carrying their stuff because they were just uh. miserable to deal with. Some RV companies are really good at covering warranty. Some of them are really bad at covering <laughs> warranty. And how would you find out that? Just ask a dealer? A good relationship with a local dealer That's absolutely makes vital. such a difference yeah. in your RVing experience. Experience. I, I say it over and over and everyone goes, well, how much did I pay? And it's like, that's not the only answer. I mean, yes, yeah. of course, we all want a good deal, right? Well, I mean, sure. But sometimes that good deal comes at a price. Yeah. Problems later that they're like, well, you didn't pay for that. <laughs> yeah. Our RV dealership, everyone who works there, well, except for one guy, were avid RVers. We all liked it. So we could answer real questions. But anyway, right. I could go on and on <laughs> about that. All right, we will on another episode. So, oh, one of the things, for example, <laughs> that awning that we saw this past weekend, <laughs> somebody, it was where we were camping, and we'll get into that. It got pretty windy one of those days, and it took somebody's awning, which they left open when they went down to the beach, and it literally folded it up over the top of their Yeesh. travel trailer. And it was brand new. It still had the dealer plates on it. So That is not a warranty issue. Not a warranty issue. issue. That is a, don't leave your awnings out, folks, ever. 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 Except if you're there. You know, if you're there to if watch you're there it. and it's not windy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the next myth is that I have a solar panel, so I don't have to worry about batteries. I can just run whatever I want. Nope. What? Nope. Okay, let's think of a solar system as a bucket and a hose. The hose is the solar panel, and the bucket is the batteries in your RV. The amount of water you can drink out of that bucket depends on how full the bucket is, right? How much the hose is pouring in. Right. So if you have a really cloudy day or a rainy, drippy, nasty day, the hose may hardly put anything in the bucket. And there's different sized solar panels, just like there's a fire hose and then there's a garden hose. <laughs> right. So there's different sized solar panels and such and different size buckets. So there's no one answer to that either. And we have an episode about solar. But the important thing to remember is that your solar panels are recharging your battery. 
you are not using energy directly from the solar panels. You're still using the energy from the batteries, and the solar panels are keeping the batteries full. Basically, It doesn't yeah. bypass the battery. Correct. It's whatever you can run off your battery. And by the way, that's true of, for the most part, also of shore power, right? Yeah. Okay, let's ignore for one second all the 110 outlets. And the air conditioner. (laughs) And the microwave. (laughs) And the microwave. Still, if you're plugged into shore power, that doesn't mean that your lights or the fan on your heater are running on shore power. They're still running on battery and the shore power is recharging the batteries. Right, again, hose and bucket. Hose and bucket. I've been answering a lot of questions recently in various Facebook groups about how big a heater I can run off my batteries. And they're talking electric heater. And basically the answer is none. Really none, yeah. Doesn't work that way. And we've talked before, you know, there's inverters and there's bigger solar and things like that can be done. CPAPs and heaters and things like that. But generally speaking, the way that RVs are built, just remember that no matter how you're recharging those batteries, most of that power is still coming from the battery. And you could only use basically what you got. You just are filling it up more quickly or less quickly. I mean, that's a generalization. I just have to laugh on this one. There's a myth that RVs are for minimalists. (laughs) They have never seen a girl glamper group. Tiffin coach, <laughs> marathon coach. Well, those two. But when I go camping with a group of ladies, whatever group happens to be, I'm in a lot of groups. And we go specifically go glamping and everyone brings their decor. And a lot of times they're vintage trailers. So they've already got a theme and then they spread that theme out all into their campsite. And then we have our special cocktail tables. And then we have our game tables. And then we have our fire pits. And then we have our fancy hats for hat (laughs) night or our tutus or our... (laughs) The list can go on and on. And boy, some of these ladies, man, they spend hours just putting everything up and then taking everything back down. (laughs) So RVs are not necessarily for minimalists. However... There are RVs that are well-suited for minimalism. Sure. But look at a Tiffin or a Marathon or (laughs) some of these coaches with heated marble floors. Right. There is nothing minimal about that. It is your mobile mansion. So it's RVing is for... RVing, the neat thing about it, or one of the neat things about it is it really does reflect your vision and lifestyle. Absolutely. So I really love to go on those trips where we have themes and we have costumes and we have cocktails, but I'm really not all that good at decorating and presentation. So I do the minimum that I can get away with. I feed them really good cocktails and they don't notice that I didn't dang any flamingos Speaking or whatever. Of which, we just put a recipe for a pineapple upside down That's right. Cocktail. That's my favorite camping cocktail. Mine is beer. <laughs> All right, next one. The next one is that, I got to say, I don't know if I can bust this one. Driving an RV is scary because in the... See? It's scary. (laughs) In the beginning, sure, driving an RV is scary. Now you're going to get used to it. It's going to get easier and less scary. But I got to admit, the first time behind the wheel... I think you'd be kind of silly not to be a little nervous. And that nerves can help you pay better attention and Mm -hmm. and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't, I think driving an RV is scary is not a myth. It's a, it's it's a a fact. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it gets easier and easier. It doesn't remain scary forever, but certainly it 
starts out that way and that's a kind of a good thing because you pay more attention if you weren't scared you'd be like la 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 yeah looking at your phone and everything and oh no <laughs> it's <laughs> it's big it's expensive and it's yours right and so there is some nerves attached to driving that whatever it is driving that thing or i mean heck first time you buy a new car it could be a smart right. car and you're still like oh it's a new car first time i rode a bicycle when i was an adult was scary <laughs> <laughs> but that's just because i thought i was gonna fall and crack my melon <laughs> <laughs> yeah but everyone else on the sidewalk was scared too <laughs> wait are we talking smart car or bicycle <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Jing, 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 jing. <laughs> hey, get off the sidewalk. <laughs> you don't like the way I drive? Stay off the sidewalk. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. Now, this one, this one you're going to want to check with your local government and find out if this is a myth or not. Okay. Because some places... Wait, what is the myth? I'm telling you. Some places this is true and some places it's not. And the myth is that I can park an RV on my land and use it as a home. Local ordinances will affect that right. a lot. And I know in our county it is not the case. There are short-term exceptions. If you're building a house, you can have your RV there on site to live in while you're building your house temporarily and as long as there's progress being made. That's how our local code is. Every code is going to be different, and I really recommend that you find out before you buy an RV to park on a piece of land, make sure that you're not going to get in trouble for that. Check your local ordinances because I know when we had the fires up here in Northern California and we were selling RVs left and right, the county had very specifically provided exemptions yeah. for people whose house burned down. But otherwise, no, they wouldn't allow you to live in an RV on your property. Exactly. It was a big no can do. Yep. So check, you know, some places it's like no problem. And that includes you know, having your teenager live in the trailer outside your house in your driveway. I've had a friend that got in trouble for living in their trailer in the driveway of another friend's home. Yeah. So again, check yeah. and, and find if out don't if like it's allowed. It? If you don't like it, that home has wheels. Go find some place. Well, can... <laughs> or, or talk to local legislators and see if you can or be that. part of the change. All right. The next myth is that before you can go RVing, you need to be an expert. That's uh, not a busted or not busted. The more you but know... But we find very much the case that it's not true. <laughs> no. Like the person We meet where, a lot of non-experts. Man, I was helping the guy. The guy next to us on the campground this weekend, it was his first time out and he was having nothing but trouble. And I was over there multiple times helping yeah. him out. And it was a big fancy fifth wheel. He said, I bought this new thing and I'm having all this trouble. And it was... Part of it was that dealer clearly did not thoroughly inspect that rig, in my opinion. I think that dealer did him a disservice. But also, there was a lot of things he just didn't know. He just know. didn't know. Like, so. he didn't know that he was 50 amp and the campground was 30. Right. Didn't know to ask that. Right. He couldn't get the refrigerator running, and so we figured that out. That was easy. But the point would be that you're not going to be an expert. We're not experts. No. I mean, we know a lot of things, and we like to share those things, and that's why we're here today with you. But we still learn things. We oh, still always. find out things that we didn't know about RVing. And 
that's part of the fun of it too. So you want to know enough to be safe, but certainly you don't have to know it all before you make your first trip. Absolutely not. Anyone who calls themselves an expert is probably just really likes himself because I would (laughs) never call me an expert or us an expert. No. We just have experience with some stuff and we're happy to share that, but we're also always looking to learn new stuff. Yep. That's why we get good guests. That's right. We're down to the last one, The last one. The last one is all RVs are junk. I see this every single day on the socials. Every single day. All RVs are junk. Now, we can bust this to an extent and with the caveat that these things are rolling down the highway in an earthquake, in a hurricane. Yep. There's going to be some rattling around. And let's face it, all RVs, all RVs are essentially hand-built in small numbers as quickly as possible by the manufacturers. I mean, that's the reality of the business. Mm -hmm. It's not like a car or, you know, your vehicle, whatever you're towing with or driving every day. There is so much automation that goes into those. Right. They're making 100,000, 200,000 of that same thing over and over and over again in processes that with have been, machines yeah, and with, with processes automated processes rvs they're almost completely hand-built and if you ever watch an rv factory those dudes are running in yeah there. it's not easy work i've worked for an rv manufacturer and they work hard yeah it's like how fast can you and it a lot of factories are done by we need you know let's say 20 RVs by the end of the day. Well, you know what defines the end of the day? You guys are done. So the faster you work, (laughs) the sooner you get to go home. So yes, it's true that they don't have as much automation. It's true that they don't have nearly as much oversight as vehicles do. But I think it's really unfair to say they're all junk. Right. And some of them are significantly better made than others. There's no doubt. Some of these companies... And let's go, this is another myth that's not on the list, but let's go with, you know, people say, oh, don't buy a Forest River product. They're garbage. Well, I disagree with that. And here's why. Forest River is, and Thor and Winnebago are big companies, but especially Thor and Forest River. And they allow their various brands to be extremely autonomous in how they make their decisions. Right, but they're big companies that own a lot of brand names. Yeah, so for example, Thor makes everything from the Coleman travel trailers that they sell only at Camping World and are wood frames, you know, what they call stick and tin trailers to now Tiffin motorhomes. The gold standard of motorhomes. probably. And Thor makes Airstream and Thor makes KZ and Thor makes Big Country. I mean, it's a huge company. And they are made with different customers in mind. So some of them are made for the lower price point and some of them are made for the very high price point. And some of the management or staff at some of these companies clearly love to go RVing and I talked to a lot of people in the RV manufacturing side that never went RVing. Right. And you could tell in their products that, you know, just because something is built by Thor or is built by Forest River or Winnebago doesn't make it better or worse. Those individual brands are very differently built. And also, we got to go back to that whole maintenance thing. If you treat your RV well and you do your maintenance... 
unless you just got a really lemony lemon. None of them should just fall apart in the first week. (laughs) No. And the other reality is, as much as there is a lot of consolidation in the business of building the RVs themselves, there's a lot of consolidation in the building of components. I mean, I don't remember a week that went by that I didn't hear that Lippert bought another company. Right. So no matter who made your RV, they made it with one of three stoves or one of two water heaters. Well, four, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, a very limited number of stoves, a limited number of water heaters, of couches, of shower heads. They don't have that much control over all those things. Right. So if your refrigerator dies after three weeks or your water heater dies after a month, it's not the manufacturer's fault. fault. That's suburban or whoever built that component and that's something you know if you have a honda and the alternator goes out you go to honda and go hey your alternator broke but if you have a rockwood and the water heater quit that's suburban's problem yeah i mean you go you to still the dealer, go to rockwood but <laughs> right i mean it's the servicing dealer who will take care of that but they will handle it through suburban most right. likely rather than through rockwood so it's so very there's different so many factors there's so many pieces of that puzzle to work together that it's really unfair to make that broad statement that they're all junk right and they're not there are some that i mean heck we've had our mini light for four years four now. years just over four years yeah and it's been great it's had a few problems but for Nothing the most we part couldn't take care no, of yeah. it's been great i would not hesitate to buy another one right those are our myths if you know of any others please share them with us and we'll see if we can bust them or not yeah or support them <laughs> or support them right thank you for listening and i hope that you learned a lot from this let's take, take a, a momentary break, break and yeah. then we're gonna go camping Remember that time we followed our GPS and ended up at the top of a cliff overlooking the campground? Yeah, I had to back the trailer down a mountain road. Remember the time we went on that twisty, windy road and hit our awning on a tree? Yeah, I do. But now those kinds of things aren't going to happen anymore, thanks to RV Trip Wizard. Right. RV Trip Wizard lets you plan your journeys before you go, and then use their app on your phone or tablet to safely navigate that journey. You can set parameters such as how far you want to travel in a day, how many miles you can go between fuel stops, and even read reviews of the campgrounds and places you want to go to. It all takes into account the size of your RV and more. Then you can rest assured that your phone isn't going to lead you into trouble. If you have an RV, you need RV Trip Wizard. Check it out on your discounts and deals page on StresslessCamping.com where you can also listen to our interview with RV Trip Wizard and learn about the whole RV life suite. Now Now that's that's Stressless stressless camping. Camping. All right, so this is the last session of the year, which means Christmas just happened. And we Christmas camping went Christmas camping as we always do at the beach. We did a little bit different this year because our normal campground was closed. And so we found a new campground. We actually found it a little bit earlier this year and liked it so much that we decided to go back for Christmas. Yeah. And probably we'll go back quite a bit. Yeah, I'm going to make my reservations for next year, I think. It was fantastic. So we're talking about the Albion River Campground. Yeah, I loved almost everything about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Except the Wi-Fi. Yeah, the Wi-Fi stunk. <laughs> it was awful. And you know, okay, I'm going to say something here because somebody said, well, why do you want Wi-Fi when you're on vacation? We're not really on vacation. Yeah, we are in the internet business. We obviously run stressless camping. We also provide content for Girl Camper and we provide a lot of content for RV travel. And if there's a question or a problem, if I can just get on my computer or phone fix it in a couple of minutes, then I'm back on vacation. But if, right. if I get a message that says, uh oh, there's a problem. And or then a it question, cuts out so we don't know what the yeah, problem or question is and we can't it fix stinks. it. Then all we do is sit around stressing that someone's got a problem we can't take no, care of. No, all that happens is I sit around stressing and annoy you. Right. That's what really, that's, <laughs> that's the really truth happens. of it. <laughs> so anyway, that is pretty much the downside of Albion River Campground right. is that, it, first of all, we have AT&T phones and there is zero AT&T cellular service there. Including with our booster. Well, you can't boost what there isn't. Right. We had friends who had Verizon, so we're going to get a Verizon right. phone. And they That's were how fine. we're going to... And they do have a Wi-Fi, but it seems it like it, it worked better when you were closer to the main building. So maybe next year we get a site that's closer to well, the building. Well, and there were repeaters, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, my perception is they were shutting it off at night, but whatever. Whatever it, you the know, case may be, if you need Wi-Fi, don't anticipate figure out a plan there. if you're going to Albion River right. Campground. Or just take a shorter time and actually take a vacation. Yeah. And don't, don't worry about it. That detracts from the fact that it was right on the beach. They oh, had yeah. boat launches and piers. So it's right exactly where the Albion River dumps into the Pacific Ocean. Yes. And so we are camped in kind of the crook of the river and the ocean. So we could either walk over and look at the... <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than one. <laughs> we could go over and look at the river, and that's where our friends put their crab hoops, not pots. I'm not sure why, but in the, in yeah, the river, the they weren't the allowed river. to use pots. But anyway, something to know if you understand what that means. All I know is crab tastes good, and someone brings it out of the water for me. Yes. There was, <laughs> I mean, all of our friends were really into catching crabs and did. And right. So that was a good thing. And then we could walk over, and actually, there, it's kind of an inlet of the ocean. So it was a, I don't know if that's not a harbor. That's yeah, I don't, whatever it is, there's a bunch of water. Anyway, there were <laughs> waves and there was tides and there were seashells to pick up. Well, and, and glass. And glass. Some of the people that we were camping with found a lot of sea glass. Yeah, Mendocino is famous for what they call glass beach and everyone goes, oh, it's been picked clean. In the town of Fort Bragg. Well, if that's the case, my gosh, it all came <laughs> here because some of the people we went, like Miranda had a giant collect. We'll show you a picture of yeah. that. Miranda did, Stacy did. Jerry did. Jerry did. Yeah. They had a tremendous collection. I mean, dozens and dozens of pieces. I have of really... six pieces in my pocket. Wow. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but I got bored. I couldn't, I couldn't be bothered because what am I going to do with it? Now, Jerry actually follows an artist who makes art out of pieces of sea glass and twigs and leaves and other cool nature stuff, mm. which our friend Harmony did also for a while. I don't know if she still does. Okay. But anyway, you know, Jerry might start making art and she's got that kind of skill and talent and patience. Yes. And Peggy just said, oh, look, glass. Okay, I'm yeah. moving on now. <laughs> yeah, I found some really neat pieces, though. Yeah. I went down and found some, too, but I just put them back yeah. <laughs> for the same reason. So Let Jerry find them again. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so but the campground oh, is really, really nice. We also saw Bigfoot. 
Again, I saw yeah. Bigfoot. I don't know what's going on this year, but <laughs> this time I actually got it on video. Know. Yeah, you did. And it was uh, somehow it's strikingly familiar that big. I don't know <laughs> what the heck. That it was. I don't think it was the same one I saw before. That may have been alcohol-induced Bigfoot. I'm Could not have been. sure. Well, there we. I posted the picture this morning. Yeah, you can see the video. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that that's a common thing at Albion River Campground. I don't know no. if it is or not. Anyway, there is a playground, so it's open seasonally with a like a climbing wall. Yeah, and I basketball think right now court. it's closed because of COVID. Yeah. But you're right. There's a bunch of activities for kids. Yeah. Like big tires and climbing walls and yeah. swings and so basketball. It's a, it's a nice campground. It's right there on the water. It's really lovely. And one of the best parts for Tony is getting there. So that Highway 128 between Ukiah and Albion, it's magic for me. It starts as, you know, you're kind of rolling through the hills and it's rolling hills that you're going up and down and twisting. Then it gets to be a little more wooded and you roll through Boonville and Philo. And Boonville is unusual in that it actually has its own language. So there's a language in Boonville called Boontling. And it was sort of an adaptation of English, kind of, sort of, that the locals adopted. And there's various stories about it, but it's fascinating to me that there's a language just there in Anderson Valley. And so anyway, so you roll through Anderson Valley and by gosh, if you like beer as I like beer, <laughs> don't not stop at Anderson Valley Brewing Company. Now, right now you cannot go in and just sit and have a beer, but that's okay because they have all kinds of their really terrific beers available for purchase there. And I like their barrel infused stouts and such. <laughs> there was one called Horse Tongue that was a barrel <laughs> aged wheat beer okay that was a hard pass I, I got one and yeah it was he didn't throw it away no, i mean it was beer right but but they have a bourbon barrel stout which is one of my top five beers in the world at least you know by my taste and then they have one called huge arker and man that thing has got some horsepower behind it <laughs> for sure uh, again a barrel age anyway that's not what this is about but they do have some really wonderful beer there and so just to be more clear out from ukiah to boonville it's highway 253 oh you're right and then you get on highway 128 now you can take highway 128 all the way south like south of cloverdale somewhere i don't really know where it dumps out it does go all the way down there but the route that we take from south of ukiah we take 253 and then turn right after we get beer yeah yeah <laughs> it's Boonville. basically turn right at the brewery and then go highway 128 up and then philo and what is that little store that that store with the troll there's a giant wood carved troll and like really expensive gas and such but anyway that there's that weird little store and then you start getting into the denser woods and it gets to where you have to turn your headlights on because the redwood forestation is so dense that it's literally dark in there in the middle of the day and the redwood trees are right up on the highway. I mean, you could reach out the window and slap them as you go by. Not that you should, because that would be a very bad idea. <laughs> but I mean, they're that, they're literally like on the highway, right not there. the shoulder. It's like there's the tree and the blacktop. It's just a really, I don't know, there's something magic about it. Like there's certain music I like to listen to as I roll through that highway, and I just really like it. It kind of gives us the best of two of our favorite things the redwoods and the ocean camping. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so we love to camp in the redwoods. And this one, you know, we're camping in on the beach where there's a lot of eucalyptus growing there, but not the redwoods so much. But we get to drive through the redwoods to get there. So we get it all. Yeah, it's just a magical drive. And then you end up out on Highway 1. Highway 1. And you go down to this campground and it is <laughs> steep. It's crazy. The driveway off of Highway 1 goes down, down, down. And then it comes to the super right turn. Super hairpin. It is like a U-turn. <laughs> it's fun to watch people navigate that. You remember that myth up there a little while ago that said RV driving is scary? Yeah. That one is... Oh, I mean... Certainly great big RVs were, you know, big fifth wheels were down in there. It's yeah, not impossible. A, there was a diesel pusher. But it's the first time you see it, it's like, whoa, that, <laughs> that's a little scary. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, but we all made it down. There were times when we went back where I could tell, I mean, we we're working the transmission on the truck pretty hard because going up and down, it was really steep and it was pushing it. But, you know, obviously we're still alive and everything was it. fine. But I could tell that, you know, things are getting hot under the hood and with the brakes. But still, it's all, it's, I don't know. I, just, I think it's all worth it. It's such oh, a great yeah. place to camp. I'd go there tomorrow if you ask me. All right, let's go. All right. Well, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> So that was our destination, Albion River Campground. Check it out if you're in yep. the Mendocino County area. And if Sonoma County's still closed, yeah, right. <laughs> which they are at the moment. Well, I'm, that'll change. I mean... Sure. Everything's going to change. Absolutely. Well, our last section of this actually fairly long episode <laughs> is the question of the week. Right. So last time, not last week, because last week was Christmas. And if you yeah. recall, it was just a very short episode and we read you a poem. Yeah, and I sent an email to a whole lot of people and forgot to hit send. Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, anyway, the time before that, we asked you what the most important amenity is in a campground. And the results, there were a lot of answers that were obvious. The water, propane, sewer, and Wi-Fi. Those, I'm not, you know, that's important to everyone who expects those kind of things, right? If you're a boondocker, those things aren't important. But water and power and sewer and Wi-Fi kind of go without, they're, yeah, without they're saying. Sort of those cornerstone are kind of the things. features, right? Jason said he really wanted wants a campground where the management is uh, nice people. Well, you don't want to get kicked out for getting a laptop <laughs> delivered. Right. <laughs> Our friend Twyla wants pull-through sites. She did put an LOL, so I don't know if she really meant it, but maybe, you know, it goes back to that driving is scary. Backing up is also scary. And Biggest fear people have. I admit that when I travel without Tony... I'd take a pull-through site before a back-in site if it was available. Yeah. Twyla is a friend of ours from the innkeeping days. She right. sells Turkish towels and they're, oh, they're... Lovely. I have my Turkish towel brown robe that kind of looks like Bigfoot fur. But anyway. <laughs> but whatever. Corey Disney said that the most important thing to him is that there's a fire ring available. He always has pictures of fires <laughs> in his... And he goes camping a lot. So then I'm going to kind of group together a theme of large sites and privacy and quiet and trees and those to me all kind of go together and Dan and Tom and Elsa and George all mention those things so those are some kind of a running theme. Yeah I hate those sites where your dump station is in the next person's campground. Yeah. I don't you know it's yeah. just weird it's like a you're standing extra space there. space would be nice. Yeah. Mike asked for flat spaces so that he can put up his tent. Well we went camping with Mike well a while ago. Yeah. I mean this is when we had our pop 
pop-up trailer and mike had and mike's the, tent was as big yeah, as this called, bedroom yeah we called it the tajma <laughs> tent because it was huge so that's a big flat spot that he's asking yeah. for <laughs> but i think that's legitimate and no, plus, absolutely. if there are flat sites then we don't have to work as hard at leveling our rv either right. so that's always yeah good. bring that big cat five bulldozer right and then marilyn mentioned that clean bathrooms are pretty important yeah that's her. always a good thing we appreciate your weighing in over on the stressless camping podcast facebook page which is where we have these conversations and we do everything we can to keep it friendly and politics free and basically focused on stressless camping camping. so this week with apologies to those of you who asked for privacy and quiet (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna ask if you travel or camp with an instrument i think that probably harmonicas and guitars are gonna be the easiest to travel with and the most common that's what i think However, washboards, washboards and ukuleles and bongos probably are right up there. Those seem pretty easy to handle and carry around. I almost always, ladies and gentlemen, have a washboard and bottle cap gloves with me. And I have seen this as kind of a joke, (laughs) but I've seen people say, if you don't want anyone to park near you, put a tuba or something on your picnic table. (laughs) (laughs) And it'll keep people parked farther away. So, dude, really, if you carry a tube of camping, I want to hear about it. <laughs> I would think that would be one of the coolest things. All of a sudden you hear. <laughs> so do you do you carry an instrument? Do you play an instrument? Do you play one and not take it? And if not, why not? <laughs> and that is our question for you this week. Washboard and bottle cap gloves, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. I am that hillbilly. Whew, this is a big one. That was a big one. We hope that it was helpful to you. And if it was, I hope that you tell your friends. Yeah. And if you have someone that quotes one of these myths, I hope that you will refer them to our episode and let them know that you have heard that myth get busted. Well, also, and if there's a new myth that we didn't cover, you can come to the Stressless Camping Facebook group and uh, see what the story is. What's the real deal? And to get to any of those social places, you can start at www.stresslesscamping.com and jump off to anything social. Absolutely. That's where our home base is, where the articles are, where you can find the podcast and all of that. And if you do not want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, it's free. It's free to subscribe on any podcast app. We always save you a seat around our virtual campfire. And also, if you would, please do us the big favor of writing a review. We really find that when we get reviews, we get a little extra boost. Yeah. Not only emotionally, it makes is very happy (laughs) unless someone goes you guys stink (laughs) well i mean you know but also those reviews help apple see us yeah and apple's still the big podcasting is the big granddaddy of podcast apps so if they see a lot of great reviews they're gonna know that we're doing some awesome stuff and they're gonna help us tell more people right and then that means more guests and all of that so it helps you too anyway thank you so so much i sincerely hope that your 2021 is an awesome year by all measures and that you're healthy and happy and it's a great year for you absolutely so we want to wish you happy Happy new year and happy camping we hope you learned a lot had some fun and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!